Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Rut. I am your host, Kenny Watson, here with my co-host, Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up, Kenny? Happy to be back. Good to be here myself. It's a beautiful day here in Paradise. We're uh, we're recording on the day, I guess it's the, the day after the Paris Supercross, um, but that doesn't mean anything to me, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, just uh, glad to be back. Just want to give a quick shout out to our to our partners. Like you know, like everyone says, couldn't do it without you guys. But we really could. But this is uh, this isn't just a, you know partners or sponsors. They're definitely friends. So either way, I want to say thank you to Maxis, Ron's in your ear audio, Guts Racing, and also Coach Rob for uh, coming on board and. Uh, We'll uh, dig into that at the end of the show, but uh, just wanted to say welcome back. And uh, so, what, what's going on, dude? What'd you do this weekend? Anything? Anything cool? Um, no, not too much. I haven't feel, been feeling all that great. But wah, today, wah. today I did go to Fox Raceway. Wah, wah. It was uh, too rough for my liking because you know I'm no professional. Yeah. So no. They, I think they got some weather on uh, maybe Saturday or something, and it was pretty. It was pretty soft. So was there a lot of people there? A lot of people. Not a ton. I wouldn't say over, you know, overwhelming. But where did you fit in? Where did you fit in on the track, uh, speed wise? Like uh, in the middle? I would say I'm in the middle. Yeah. There's guys that are fast. There's guys that are not so fast. You know. I try to stay in my lane. That a boy. But I showed up with new new gear. Of course. I, of course. Right. Standard. Standard. Yeah. I gotta give a a thanks to um, Connor Olson. He's a he's a racer, right? Yeah. Works for Fox. Good dude. Help he me. works for Fox? He works for Fox, and he also races. People, you know, people that listen to this should know who he is. And uh, he hooked me up with some stuff, so shout out to him. Wow, got your own little side hustle going dude, on, Greg. I'm, I'm trying, man. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, one thing about Greg, he, he hits me up the other day, and he's like, dude, I need a boot bag. I'm like, you don't travel. Like, to myself, I'm all, what's this guy need a boot bag for? <laughs> he literally goes from his garage to the track and then back. So it's all good. That is Greg, true. Uh, you know, without people like Greg, this sport wouldn't be what it is. Um, you know, it's cool because they always say back in the day, you know, people like Greg couldn't, you know, talk or be heard because of, you know, social media. Now they can just reach out to their favorite rider, their favorite company and whatever and speak their mind. And that's why I think there's so many people out there that like to say our sport, yeah. you know, like Greg and I like football. Who doesn't like football? Our team, our team. No, it's not our team. <laughs> you know, if your favorite football team is the Los Angeles Rams, that's your favorite football team. You're not on the payroll. If they lose, you're not going to get in trouble. Right. So that's just the same thing with Moto. But anyways, yeah. So uh, how's your, you went riding today? Um, yeah, what can you got any any updates on uh, that race I went on? I have no idea what happened because I did not pay attention and I did not watch it. Did matter if I don't even have to ask what you watched it for sure, right? For sure. Okay, how did you watch it? Was it on TV? It was on. Uh, you had to no, you had to have the MXGP package, or you could buy the day. I bought like just the day. How much was, was on, it? Uh, Twelve bucks. Oh, not bad. Yeah, and it was a two day event. They raced three times each day. Like three moto format, I guess. Oh wow! Two fifty and four fifty. How long uh, were the laps? 
um, it's timed. I forget, like the 250s was like, I think, eight or ten minutes plus a lap, and the 450s is like a little more. I Do they show exactly. the whole show? Yeah. They show like the intermission? Yeah, in the middle they had the guys like Tyler Behrman and stuff uh, doing the tricks. Oh, freestyle? Yeah, freestyle stuff. And then uh, – They show any of the shenanigans that the French guys do? Uh, I'll be honest. When In between races, I didn't really watch all that much. But, yes, there was like they had uh, they had a bunch of guys with handlebars, and they had like run around the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's shit like cool. that. And then I seen – um, I don't I didn't see it this time, but I do know, which I think is funny, the girls wear the um, metal like – like uh, I guess they're shaped like underwear, but they're metal, and they, they, they bounce the grinder – off the crotch, yeah, and send sparks, which is yeah, that, that's that's so crazy. <laughs> that's so rad. They're like the Monster that. Girls or whatever, but they yeah. have like metal. But um, dude, I'll tell you what, like the the European promoters, um, they they go to the extra length to to put on a show. Yeah, it seems like, like it's like a it. race, but there's also a show. Like there's more. All I have to say is, if you're a true like fan of this sport, you got to do yourself a favor. And get to Europe and go to a Supercross event like that. I would love to go to that It one. is, bar none, one of the cooler things to go to. They are so into it. I mean, I haven't been to the new stadium. Right. I went to Bercy years ago, and it was a three-day event. Nice. And it's in a super small arena. And, like, literally, dude, like, the fans could reach over the railing and probably hit the guys. That's awesome. I got a I got a I got a great story about Bercy one year. I'm not sure what year it was. It had to be oh two, oh three, probably oh three. Ivan was on Yamatroy and um he was like one of the t- the top guys to win the race that night. He was up there, and um, dude, he went off the jump, and I guess he kept like he was scrubbing something or doing something, and he kept kicking the gas cap. Well, the gas cap came off, wow. and you have to understand the paramedics and the the medics and all that. They don't speak English, right? And he. Got gas splashed on him and didn't stop at first. Didn't really know what was going on. And then he was just on fire. His nuts were on fire and he was screaming, oh, my God. And they realized what was going on. And he was just like, there's all these people around him and he couldn't really see what they were doing. Well, some dude put like lotion or some kind of cream on his hand and was like fucking rubbing it on his ball sack. Wow. <laughs> Did that make it better or worse? Dude, he can't, He realized what was going on and flipped. And afterwards, I'm all, don't lie. You liked it. You liked the way that dude touched you. You liked that manly feel. And he wasn't He wasn't having it. He was not too happy about that. But, That's yeah, funny. but that, that race in general, man, uh, you know, Eric Pinard, of course, people know who Eric Pinard is, the guy that started the U.S. Open back in the day with Fox. Pete and him did it. And, uh you know, that was probably the closest thing to ever be um, categorized towards, like, a European race. Okay. You know, they did some stuff like dropping people out of the ceiling, doing stuff like that. But the first couple were awesome when it came to that. But uh, Bercy was crazy, 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 crazy. But anyways, what uh, – who uh, – what was what was the deal? Who who rode? So I was super pumped on uh, Joe Shimoda signed with Honda, right? Oh, he did. So that was his first uh, 
race on a yeah. Honda, and he oh, won. Yeah. He oh, won yeah. most of the uh, most of the motos. Who did he beat? Anybody? No. Tom Vial was like your main guy, and I mean there, there's other guys, but yeah, Tom Vial, the the only other, I believe, the only other factory rider. Yeah, and he's French, Chase right? Owens. He's, uh, yes. Yeah, Tom. Tom Vial's French. The French probably love that, but it's crazy when you go there. He just motors from Japan, so it's not like uh, you know. My personal feeling, yeah, the French people hate Americans. Well, I think that's why the Lawrence brothers got so much love too, and yeah. Roxon, because none of them are American. Yeah, they hate like just I've not got that vibe, but been there, and it's just not the moto people, the moto crowd. No, it's like just they're just straight rude. Right, right, they're right. just straight rude people, like walking around the city and going to like the tower, the Eiffel Tower, and doing shit. Like once they found out you're from America, they're they just they're just. They're just straight up rude people. I will say though, um, although obviously Eli Tomac wasn't there and your Supercross champion uh, Chase Sexton wasn't there, man, these guys better figure it out for that uh, to beat Jet Lawrence. It's are you calling it out again? No, I'm not calling it out. But what he did in Bercy, I mean, yeah, I know they weren't there, but Cooper Webb was there. Ken Roxon was there. Hunter Lawrence on a 450, his first race on a 450. And they went one and two. The brothers went one and two. And Jet wow. won all three motos yesterday. And I think he won, I think just one today. Let me ask you a question. He Did he just hole it. shot? Did he get the start, or a did he have to them. come from the back? F- most of them he got the start. All the ones he won, he got the start. But he pa- uh, the ones he didn't, he, he passed Roxon. He passed his brother. Put his brother down. In a corner. Nice. Actually put him down. So, interesting. But, yeah, Jet Lawrence, his starts are unbelievable. Wow. Starts are unbelievable. And How was the track? Was the track super crossy? Yeah. Was it? No, I would say it was more super crossy. It's definitely bigger than, like, the U.S. Open was. There was actual whoops. Yeah. The whoops were big. So, that was the first time we seen Jet go through the whoops on a 450 because that SMX, they didn't have whoops. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was kind of like a hybrid tracks, right? This was more of a traditional Supercross track, and, man, that kid is good. I mean, we know that, but, I mean, when you see it, it's – I just hope it doesn't make for a boring Supercross race. <laughs> so you're thinking, like, if he goes and just starts winning like he did, I mean – I mean, it's going to be McGrath, what, 93? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a post maybe today or earlier, something, uh, Junior King or something. Oh, uh, uh – yeah, so but when you I guess when you win Paris, the two fifties you're the Prince of Paris yeah, and then the, you get the, the King, King of Paris. Paris. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I um and then Chase Sexton obviously going on to a new bike, so we might hear that, you know, I'm not comfortable with the bike, yeah, I'm not whatever. And Jet just is gonna do his thing. Tomac coming back from an injury. So here we go, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean I uh Dude, I, I I just think like every ten years, it's like uh, there's there's something in in every sport. I don't care yes. if it's you know wheelbarrow racing. Right. You're gonna get someone that's just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's what do they call it? It's like uh, the you know, the, I forgot there's a word for it. I can't remember right now. But hey, I dude, the the dude has it, man. He has that. What he he has that gift. He does. You know, really I mean, what does. do you do if you're his older brother? Yeah, you know, it's got to be a little, little weird. That's my little brother just giving it to me. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? It's all. It seems like it always works that way where the 
the little brother is always faster than the big brother. Well, I I, heard, I read or I saw a video. I forget which one it was. This was a few years ago. And they actually interviewed the dad, right? And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, um, Jet, Jet is better than Hunter right now when they're in 250s. And the dad said something that was kind of interesting, and I, it made sense, but I never thought about it. He said, we knew Jet would be better than Hunter because all – all the things I messed up on teaching Hunter. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because, they didn't, they, you know, he's like, I don't. He didn't I, know. He didn't know. So all the things that I messed up with Hunter, I'm able to do it right with Jet. And I thought, like, wow. And obviously there's just natural I, ability. I, I like I like the their format and the way they run their program with their yeah. dad. They're not in, you know, the, Jet and Hunter do their own social media. Like, they're in the limelight. More off the bike at home than on the bike at home. Right. And I like that. Like, right. you only can watch some guy riding and whipping it and going off jumps and, you know, enough. But they do stuff, you know, just goofing around. Exactly. And I like that. I, right. I totally dig that. And I, I think that, you know, their dad isn't that guy that, you know, has to be in the forefront. He just takes a step back and lets those guys do what he wants. And it, it's not like, you know, he's out there. You know, being the, oh, my kids are the best. You know, you don't see that or hear that. No. He's very, that whole family is very humble. I mean, dude, you're talking about a 19-year-old kid being the best in the world right now at something. And how humble is he? Yeah. He's not cocky. He's not arrogant. He doesn't no. talk crap to, you know. No. Man, if that was me, look the fuck out. I would be the biggest fucking <laughs> douchebag in mankind. Yeah. And you know what's crazy, too, is that, um. With with them, it seems like it, I don't know why, but in this sport, it seems like it's almost frowned upon to learn about the person like off the bike. Right. Like, let's go back to like uh, early 2000s with with Ricky, Chad, James. Right. You didn't know anything about those guys yeah. off the bike. Right. But if, for example, um, you look at a. A major sport, right, football or whatever, you know, you know what they get paid. Like, you could look up Tom Brady. Yeah. You could look up Patrick Mahomes, whatever. They tell you what they get paid. You could see they do a, a um, show their house, uh, what what they're into. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes was really into, like, sneakers and stuff. So, he shows his closet. Also, Eli Tomek, I mean, he's out in Colorado right now. And, and it's like, yeah, you get little, little clips here and there of his house. Nobody knows what Eli Tomac is off the bike. Yeah, they don't know who he is as a person. At all. And if you yeah. – now with the Lawrence brothers, Jet will post, just bought a Lambo or whatever yeah, he was. people are coming down on him. Like, yeah. They're like talking crap like, oh, wasting your money, blah, blah, right. blah. Dude, that guy, like, believe me, he has people watching him. And if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. He's a kid. Yeah. There's some other – there's – no, your buddy over there at that one – that one guy that has a show, Butterflies and Rainbows or whatever he says, you know who I'm talking about. I don't even oh, want to give the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, He was just bashing, Oh yeah. you know, the kid for buying a car and telling him he's, a, you know, he's going to be broke and right. this and that. And I'm just like, dude, why? Like, you're just looking for content just to be negative, to be different. Be negative, yeah. Just to, you know, talk bad about someone. But we don't even need to go there. But, uh yeah. So yeah, interesting. So that was cool. Uh, how did what? Uh, I wonder uh, how Kenny would fare without Travis there this weekend. Uh, yeah, there he was wasn't a, there. 
Yeah. Yeah, if they had a a. Uh, I think uh, it was his practice bike mechanic that yeah. you usually see with him, like out out on the sandbox. Yeah. He, he was on the line with him. I don't. I'm not sure that guy's name, but he was on the line with him. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to be his guy next year, and they're getting a new practice bike guy. Probably. I've seen Dave Dye there. I don't know what Dave Dye is. He's a, oh, he's still around? Yeah, he works for that team. I don't know if he's a crew chief or oh, I know that. what he, you know, I was thinking that maybe he was going to work for Kenny, but I just don't see that happening. So Travis Souls is going to uh, Triumph. Triumph, right? Yeah. yeah. I hit him up uh, the other day. Well, he hit me up or something. Or I don't remember. But we were talking through, you know, texting, and he was in the middle of driving to he moved right to Atlanta or Georgia, and uh, yeah, who's he going to work for? You think he's going to work for Savachi? I would think so because they have past relationship. Right, makes sense. But Savachi's not racing until outdoors. Outdoors, but that's just. But I guess it's time to you could get testing and get practice and find out the weak spots of that bike and yeah, because it's all all. And new. I think Joey could be an asset to those younger guys, you Definitely. know, at Supercross. You know, just be there and kind of be a, a mentor a little bit, you know. I mean, you could say Ricky's there, but believe me, I have been on a team with Ricky, and he's he's there for a little bit in the morning, but then he's gone. Right. You don't see him. I mean, he has a job to do there, and it's not, you know, he's not going to be that mentor guy to watch tape in between races and right. motos. But he, on Ricky, Ricky, for instance, like, if he sees something, like, during the race, he would, like – shoot a text down and say, hey, have the guys look at this or do something like that, you know. Nice. But it uh, didn't happen too often. Yeah. But um, uh, I'm really curious on who do you think is going to ride for that bike or that Team 450 Supercross next year? Because, I mean, there's there, if you think about it, every big name right now, for the most part, is on a factory team. There's going to be – it's going to get to the point where Ducati comes in, right? Triumph uh, comes in. Uh, d- d- it needs that because there's – four years ago there was running out of places for guys to go and their careers were getting cut short but the only thing is it's going to be a little bit a little bit funny is that with the teams we already have and then ducati triumph and uh beta or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's going to be to a point where you think there's going to be in a main event you think there's going to be privateers yeah like i feel like there's always injured but you got to remember dude remember this there's only enough guys to go around that because there's only one guy that wins. Right. There's only one guy that gets third. Right. There's only one guy that gets, you know, second. You know, and a lot of those guys that were privateers, that were top privateers making the main, dude, that, that's going to be good enough to, to get yourself a ride. Yes. Yeah, that's be on what a I'm factory saying. team. So, you know what? If it comes to that time, there always has to be privateers. There always has to be at least 40 guys, you know, at, at an event to fill up, you know, a starting right. gate, you know, right. for, you know, qualifiers. So, you know, if they take – if forty, if there's 20 guys or 22 guys that are factory guys and all 22 of those guys are in the main event every week and the privateers aren't making it, you know what? Those guys are going to make a good living off of that. They're, they're, that they need to do is just make sure they take care of the privateers. Right. And I think, you know, love or hate them, Steve Mathis has done a really, really, really good job of, you know, giving back to the privateers. And, yeah. you know, people can say what they want. I have no problem with Steve Mathis. I think what he does is pretty pretty cool, the yeah. way he gives back. No one's – he doesn't have to do that. That's money that could be in his pocket. Yeah. You know, and, you know, think about it. That's really cool what he did. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome what he does. So, and all the giveaways and all that stuff. Like when you 
you know, it's just yeah, it's I mean, just awesome. It's putting so, it back into the sport. Yeah, so saying that, but it's just weird. Like I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like Ducati, for instance, they're an Italian company that everyone knows that the Italian companies are have the biggest egos. Like no matter what, if yeah. it's they just are very, very ego driven people. I cannot see them coming in like when they came into MotoGP, they went after and they signed Nikki Hayden, who I was the past champion, right out of the box yeah, and had the best. Aggressive. So what, you know, in their pedigree and the, you know, if you look at it the way they've operate, I have a feeling that they're going to come out and hire either someone that's a past champion with a big name and then get a young guy out of the lights guy that's an up in class that is with a big name that's flashy that you know the media is all around and I'm not going to say any names but we know who that could be yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah and i really think that you know that could i wouldn't be surprised if that happened not at all you know because he's going to want to be when he goes to the 450 there ain't going to be nobody else that he wants all the attention. Yeah. And he's building up for that right now. Oh, yeah. He wants the attention, and they're building him. That's why he's staying up in Colorado mm-hmm. and learning and absorbing, and that's what it's all about for him right now. So that's what I think, and I think it's cool that all these different brands are coming in. Yeah, no, it's super People cool. People can say what they want and, you know, run their mouths. Oh, yeah. Triumph, they're upset right now because all these other companies are coming in and stealing their thunder. They don't give a shit who's coming in. Right. The pie's big enough. Triumph, they're the, they're an amazing motorcycle company. I mean, they're not they're not coming in to try to sell you know three million dirt bikes. You know, they're just adding something to their line. Their their you know their street bike line is amazing. Right. They've been around for you know hundred years. Yeah, and I I think you're right with Ducati for sure. They're not coming in just to just to be in the sport. They're coming in to win. Oh yeah. Well, they wouldn't have hired yeah Tony. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Yeah, I don't they're know. coming in to win, and I think they're uh, they're um, they're spit, gonna they're, spit it out. They're gonna hire a big name. I would think so. I would think that we know there's something that we're doing right now that which is I hate doing is speculating, but yeah. I just wanted to throw that out no, there. I think you're right. That though. you know, I think you know, yeah, that no, could happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So that's that's about it. That's uh, sounds like uh, it was a cool event. It was a, it was crowded there, huh? Yeah, packed. Always packed. Always loud. Freaking smoky! I don't. I I doubt very much. You could ask anyone from back in the day. That was you would leave that place smelling like you were at the nightclub all night. Just smoky. <laughs> you smell like cigarettes. And yeah, yeah. Dude, it was just like you would think that they did fireworks all night. You could just see the smoke from people smoking. And it's a dome, right? But no, yeah, no. I think the new one is. Yeah, the new one. I, right, I'm right. not talking about the new one. I'm talking about the old one. Okay. The old one was just oh god, it was gross and. They, you know, they had to do it, but I think it'd be cool to go back one time, you know, do it every, like, five years, go back to the original one, but that's just me. Yeah, kind of like what they did with the Coliseum this year. Like, yeah. you throw it back, and it's just yeah. it's just cool. I'm kind of bummed that they're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, I was talking to Dave Prater, and uh, they said that they're not going to do it, but there could be an opportunity, you know. I think right now they can't do it because of the Olympics the Olympics are going to be in L.A., oh, and they have to do a lot of renovations and do stuff like that. But never say never. Yeah. Never say yeah. never. I hope they just do one out here in general, though, because yeah. 
they'll figure it out. But you got their their biggest what they're up against is football. And the USC Trojans play at the Coliseum. Right. And he said that was the most difficult they've ever had with any building and house. And, you know, it was getting that back to the – how do I put this? When they moved in, how they had a hard time getting it back to the exact way it was when they moved in. And their, their people were just nitpicking, and it was just very difficult for the dudes that felt. But they overcame it, and, yeah. you know, they're professionals, and they, you know, they have they make it happen. Did they, you ever uh, did you ever work for a rider or a team and race the Coliseum? Did you ever did you ever go to the Coliseum as a mechanic or anything like that? Are you serious? Uh, you know, it's not for me. It's for the listeners. <laughs> Do you want to answer that question yourself? No, I want to hear from you. What what, what was the what's the number your number one memory from uh, from um, the Coliseum? I think a lot of people don't know. It. I think they'd be surprised because I tell people this and they're just like, "Oh, what really?" When I was Brian's mechanic, yeah. Yeah, I was Brian Deegan's mechanic for his win, and uh, yeah, that was that was one of the most iconic things ever. Yeah, it was crazy though. Back in the day when it happened, I really didn't think that it was. I mean, it was rad that we won, and it was. I was super excited, but to be how special it is now, and to be part of the Moto XXX program back then, didn't really think that it was anything special. And it's um, a big deal, man. Like when, when I went to the SMX, like Jordan Burns had the bike there, people taking pictures. I mean, it's sad because not sad, but I should say there's, you know, you have to remember, too, there's people that go to these races that either just got into the sport. Yeah. Or or they're just there because there's an event in town. They don't even know what's go- it's just something to do. Right. So some people would just, you know, pass that stuff right up. But they had it on display and then he was able to take the bike down to the, the to the track at the end and it's pretty cool because from like a person like me that's like a big fan you see that stuff and it's like dang but i could see how you're saying like in the moment you're just like yeah whatever yeah i was just just super excited that we won and you know from that day on in supercross i knew that it was you know brian was just like i did it that's all i ever wanted to do was win a race and i did it and no matter what happened after that, it, it didn't matter right. to him. I don't really think so. You know, he didn't, you know, don't get me wrong. Every time he lined up, he wanted to do the best he could do. But right. he uh, he was, it was a very special night. And it was a special night that we won, but it was also a special night because I was dating this chick, and she was ripping. Her name was Andy, and she was – I hope she hears this or someone gives it to her. <laughs> and that was the first night we got together, and she gave it up. Nice. And I won – I got to win a Supercross race, and I got to tap that ass <laughs> all in one night, man. It was just like – I remember she lived in L.A., like like Hollywood, mm-hmm. and I remember I drove the box van to her house. Nice. And the, I had the winning bike in the back. Oh, man. That's a cool story. Yeah. That's so, really anyways, cool. let's leave it at that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll leave it at that. And we'll see. Is there any more off-season races for the guys? Or are they? Uh, the Australian Supercross coming up. Is that part of the? W, the, the WSX, yeah. So. I believe that's the last one. The brothers aren't racing that. No. I heard that um, 
think on another show or I read somewhere that the brothers were supposed to do Paris a few years ago, but because of COVID and yeah, switch, you know, all these things, they couldn't do it, so they just did it this weekend to honor what they had said prior. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm surprised they're not doing the Australian race. That's their home country, and just to go back and see their family and friends and right. go whoop that ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not. I haven't seen anything or heard anything that they're going to do it, so. But there's a lot of logistics just to go to a race. It's not like. And remember, Honda didn't want to back Roxon doing it. Remember that, that whole feud? Yeah. So I think maybe. Yeah, just getting, even though they do have a factory program in, in Australia, but it's nowhere near what America is, and. For them, logistically wise, and for funding and stuff to go, right. it's a it's a big expense. Right. You know, Honda just doesn't send the rider and his mechanic. You know, they got to send the chassis guy, the engineer, the you know, the electrical guy. The you know, they're probably ten people deep. You yeah. know, and that's expensive. They don't. They're not on the list where the promoter's paying them. So. Right. Yeah, well, cool. cool. Yeah, so uh, when's that next that world round coming uh, up here? A couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, not exactly sure the date, but that should be fun. Who? What's the deal with that thing? Who's who's leading the the championship and who? Joey Savacci is actually leading. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the f- the last race in the Dubai, right? Mm-hmm. They just they raced a few weeks ago. Um, there was a big old. You know, debate because you know Vince Freezy, how he's just like, yep, crazy. So he he uh he took out Dean Wilson. Dean was leading. He's just block passing, uh, cross jumping. You know all this stuff. So there was a big argument over that. But uh yeah, Joey Savacci's up on Roxon. I think like six points or something. Huh. And that's the last round. So kind of Roxon has to if he wants to get that that done again like last year, he's gonna have to beat Savacci. I think Savacci has to get like third or better i don't know something like that totally doable yeah we'll see it should be pretty exciting yeah totally doable right on all right well we'll uh keep me in the loop on that one dude yeah because uh i know you're my inside guy i don't really pay attention (laughs) to that kind of stuff so right uh, right right on so uh where are we at here what do you want to do now what do you want to talk about so you told me that um all the things like so I got into the sport around what two thousand one ish. Okay, I now, was already I was already doing it ten years. Right. So now I've obviously heard stories and stuff like that. But how did you start? All right. How did you even? We'll get take in? it. We'll take it all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, I was friends with a a, a guy named uh, Blake Schwartzman. Who was the guy that in he was partners? I shouldn't say he invented it because he didn't. There was a guy named Jim Hartman who was a guy I went to high school with, and he was the saltwater aquarium guy that would service our saltwater tank. My mom had one, and he would come over, and I was friends with him. And he came up with this idea about these Squatch watches, and he made a prototype, and he showed my mom. And my mom, like back in the day, in on in Playboy magazine, they used to have like the newest, hottest inventions in the back, like on the back page of it. <laughs> and my friend Jim saw this that it was just a, it was you know just a guard that went over the watches, and he checked into it, and they didn't have it. Um, 
like patent or whatever. Yeah, so he went out and patented one and made one, and it was originally called a watch guard. And he needed a bunch of money for a product and molding and all this crap. So he went to my mom, and my he asked my mom for $10,000. My mom looked at him like he had three heads. <laughs> so uh, Blake uh, was a local pro back in the late 80s, you know, Indian Dunes guy, Saddleback. Uh, I don't – he might have went and raced a national locally, but I'm not sure. But uh, he – he was self-made always you know he worked at a motorcycle shop and jim and him partnered up he came up with the money and uh he was pretty much the business end of it you know the whole time so i was friends with him from the beginning and he was friends with kyle lewis and I met Kyle Lewis through Blake at it one night at dinner in Mammoth, and me and Kyle hit it off, and me and Kyle are still friends to this day. I hit it off with Kyle. Me and Kyle became really good friends. Um, Kyle was, uh, his dad passed away a couple years before that. He was dealing with injuries. Kyle was that, the hot protege, the hot property coming out of the you know the amateur ranks and uh, it was one of those deals with just injuries 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 and they one year the year that I became friends with them I bought a brand new KX250 and I wasn't even riding it and all I uh, gave it to Kyle to use and he was doing local stuff on it and you know that because those were back in the day when you could go race 125 and 250 pro at a local event if it was you know a fair race or whatever in mexico and uh kyle did that and i just remember man i was such a moto kook such a kook all i wanted was his mechanic i remember his mechanic building the bike in the garage and i was just out there when he put the pro circuit pipe and silencer on it when he was just putting like i remember they used to have these things called lever savers or something and they were made from scott and they were like made out of a material that wrapped around the levers yeah i've seen those and for like better gripping or something and uh I just couldn't wait for him to put those on. And I kept, I kept saying, when are you going to put those on? And he's like, put the engine in the bike, you know. And he's like, dude, relax. Like, And I was just bugging him. And he's like, hey, can you just, like, get out of here? Let me just do my deal. And I was, I came back, and I'm all, dude, when are you going to put the Camel Supercross stickers on the forks? Like, you know. And uh, that's all I cared about, dude. That's all I wanted. And the crazy thing about that bike, Kyle used it for a while. And then I got a king uh, call from this dude named Shane. It was a Daryl. I think it was Daryl. Daryl King. He was a 500 world champion, I believe. He was from New Zealand. And I knew him through uh, Daryl Atkins, who I became friends with from just racing locally. And he needed a bike. And... I ended up Kyle's like, dude, don't don't let him use that bike, you know. My guy, we you know we have a lot of good parts on there. We got them from this, you know. I didn't pay for them, you know, but blah blah blah. So I go, ah, dude, he's just gonna use it for the the Coliseum race. He'll give it back, dude. Mm. That guy took everything off the bike and gave it back in just pieces, 
and he dropped it off at the side of Kyle's house. He took the pipe and silencer. He dude, he even took the sprocket, the chain, just all this crap. And Kyle just said, "Dude, I told you, I told you, don't do it." Blah blah blah, and he was right. But uh, yeah, so that's how you know I got started, and we were Kyle was going to Dallas Supercross, and it was in 1990. And I really wasn't doing much. I got out of school, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was dabbling, working for my dad a little bit, and fucking off. And uh, Kyle said, hey, you want to go to Dallas with us, Supercross? We're driving. And I said, yeah, totally, I'll go. And he's like, well, hey, my buddy, he doesn't have a mechanic. His mechanic can't go, and he needs someone to help him. And I said, I don't know nothing about working on dirt bikes. Like, is, like maybe changing an air filter was about far as I went. And uh, sure enough, I told him, hey, yeah. So I went with Shane. It was Shane Triller. And never knew Shane in, until that truck pulled up in front of my house and I jumped in and we took off. Um, but uh, I could tell we were going to have a good time. Shane was uh, quite a character. And... Uh, Always about laughing and having a good time. And by the time we got to Dallas, it was like we were friends forever. And, uh, you know, I was like, what do you want me to do? He's like, just, you know, push my bike to the line and I'll take it from there. You just chill and, you know, take the pit board and just write what place I'm in and how many laps are left. I don't care about anything else. I said, all right. Now, what was your plan if something happened to the bike, if you didn't really know how to work on them? I had Donald Plouffe, who was Kyle Mechanics, Kyle Lewis's mechanic for a super long time, and Donald was really, really good mechanic, super okay. sharp. And um, I asked him just, you know, and Kyle, you know, told him just to keep an eye on it, so he would do the once over. Okay. Um, it was a Suzuki in 1990, Suzuki 125. That that was a pretty good bike, and uh, yeah. So I don't remember the race. I remember walking down the tunnel. I remember the people hanging over the wall, like, and thinking I was, like, the shit because I was on that side of the wall this time and looking around, like, so stupid. Well, that had to have been super cool for you, though, as being a fan, and now you're on the floor. Dude, unbelievable. I was, like, unbelievably happy and stoked and couldn't believe it. Now I look back at it, and I was, like, like, but it. I look back at it now, and I still think it was cool. It is cool. Like, I was like, fuck, that's badass. You know, I wish I had that feeling still. You know, that's just the way I feel about, like, baseball. Like, if I could go on the field right now, I'd be like a little kid. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we went there, then we came home, and there was, you know, it was going to the East Coast, so there was a break. And then I think the next race was, uh, what was it, San San Jose. San Jose Supercross, and he asked me if I wanted to go, and he's like, yeah, but um, I'm just going to take my mom and dad's motorhome with the trailer, and we'll just stay in the trailer in the motorhome. And uh, I said, all right. So we're we're driving there, and uh, he said, hey, I got to pull over. Um, I got to just l- l- clean the, the gray tank out. And I didn't even know what the gray tank meant, what that meant. And I just said, oh, okay. So he pulls over. He does his deal. And uh, we were just getting ready to go up the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, he goes, hey, do you want, and I'd never driven anything, you know, with a trailer like that. And he's like, oh, dude, it's just, just get behind it. We did a little once over driving around the parking lot before we got on the freeway. And I'm driving and I hear Shane just laughing, laughing his ass off. And I'm like looking in the rearview mirror and I can see all the way to the back of the motorhome. And there's a window and he's looking out the window and he's laughing. And he's just like, oh, my God, oh, gnarly, oh. And I'm like, dude, what? And this was before they had backup cameras and right, shit right. like that. And I'm like, what? He's like, and he comes up, and he's just laughing his ass off, dude. And people are driving by, like, screaming at me and flipping me off. And he's, like, ducking down. And he's trying to tell me what's going on, but he's laughing so hard he can't even tell me. Well, what happened was he pulled the shitter pump thing out and didn't shut the door well, it drained, but he didn't shut it after it drained. And when we were going up the hill, all the what was left was coming out because it went to the back of it. Right. So it was coming out, and people were getting shit all over their cars. And <laughs> dude, shit went all over the back of the trailer. You know what I mean? Where it hooked up, and there was just shit everywhere. Oh my god! Yeah, it was a. It was so he was laughing so hard, and I remember we got to San Jose. And we had to wait. We got there like on a, a Thursday night, and there wasn't that hardly many people there. And uh, how'd you clean it? Just hose it off. Squirt like simple green on it and hose oh. it off. But like, how'd you get the water? Like, where'd you guys go? Well, this is a, this was something back in the day that these mechanics don't realize how to what it's all about. Right. That was half the battle, dude. Back in the day, anybody that was a mechanic in the '90s knows this is going to a hotel or the surrounding area and finding a water spigot mm -hmm. to fill your water tanks up. Right. And I wash it. Because so many people look down on it like you're stealing their water to use. I had, a, you know, you know, some of them have that special chuck on it, the key, yeah. like a janitor one. I had one of those. If you were cool enough, pretty much every factory guy had one. And you you could water wasn't a problem at hotels because they had a lot of those on the hotels. But uh, yeah, we cleaned it. But I remember pulling into the to the uh, or Shane was driving, and it was his deal. He parked like along the fence, away away from like the pits, you know, the factory guys, and away from everybody. And he taught me this. It's something Boogers taught me. Shane Schiller. He said we park next to the fence. Because we could sneak chicks in underneath the fence. Good idea. Great idea. And uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story about everything that happened that night in San Jose. It was pretty funny. And we've had some good stories. Because we're going to have Shane on the show eventually down the road. And I know that's something that we talk about and laugh about still to this day. So uh, we'll leave that for Shane. But, uh, yeah, I ended up working with Shane. Uh, helping Shane, not working with him. I remember the fun. Here's a here's a good story. Um, some some service had to be done to the bike, okay. and I didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to take the bike, and you know, my friend Jason Eck, who's a dear friend, I love that guy to death. Jason owns a shop in Simi Valley called the Racers Edge. Um, in the '90s, it was. Kind of a hotbed. I mean, you had Mike and Jeff Alessi, mini bike kids, come out of that shop. You know, Colt Seeley lived in that area. His dad was around. Um, there was, you know, 
top intermediates, you know, in the in the class, you know, Rob Drew, uh, Scott Mumford, Carson's dad, nice. super fast. Um, Billy Joe Mercer, um, local pro, top guy at any local race. Scott Myers, who was from Northern Cal, Ray Crum, just you know, anybody that was a, a dirt bike racer or anything knew about the Racer's Edge that would come there and hang out. There was a sandwich shop right next door. It was the day where you'd get lunch, get a sandwich, sit at the counter at the race, at the motorcycle shop, reading cycle news, eating lunch. That's cool. It was really cool. And some talk shop. and But Jason had a service area in the back. And I knew nothing about it. And I literally would take the bike to Jason in between races and he would service it, do a top end, a clutch. Now, did Shane think you were doing it? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Until he was teaching me, and I was learning. He was just like, I'm not going to do this for you. Right. I'm going to teach you. That's cool. So the first time he did it, he did it, and I watched him. And the second time I did it, he watched me. You know, he corrected me when I was doing stuff. But Jason was – let me tell you a little story about Jason Eck. Jason Eck has been my friend – or acquaintance at first, and then we became friends. Put it this way. This man has been in my life and has been there for me pretty much all the way. When I was a kid, he worked at the local shop, the Yamaha shop, and that's when I first encountered him. When I bought a pair of dirt bike grips, and I said, hey, are these sure these are the right ones? And he said, yeah, there's only one size. I said, okay. Well, I went to put them on. And I put the throttle side on the handlebar, and it didn't fit. And then I went to go put the, the handlebar side on the throttle, and, of course, it didn't fit. But I stretched it on, and it <laughs> tore. I took it back to the shop, and I said, yeah, I don't want to return these. They're the wrong size grips on a Saturday afternoon in the middle with, you know, literally, we're going to go back. This is what, what a small world it is. The name of the shop was International Motorcycles. Okay. Okay. The man that owned it, was named, I forgot his first name, but Shoemaker. And Mike Shoemaker was the writer. Mike Shoemaker is the father of Brock Brock. Shoemaker. Yeah, okay. So Brock wasn't even around then. He was just a swimmer, you know, back then. (laughs) He was just swimming in the the saxophone. But uh, so – that was funny. Me and Jay, Jay just, you know, that's when I first really met Jay. Jason and I have been friends. He started and opened up this other shop with a, with another one of our friends, Steve Casadellas. So after taking Shane's bike there all the time, I'm going to have Jason on the show too, and there's going to be some other stories that he tells you about what really went on, what Racer's Edge back in the day. But that man has been there for me through my whole life. He has, I got really sick about a year and a half ago um, where I thought I had a heart attack and all this other crap, but it was diagnosed wrong and it wasn't that. But he found out about it, called me, said, I'm on my way. He lives in Valencia or Canyon Country or Cal State. And I live in Marietta. And if you're not from California, that's not an easy drive. It's probably about three hours in traffic. He was there. He showed up. He helped me out. I didn't have a pot to piss in. I wasn't working. I had no money. He helped me pay my bills, gave me money. 
he lent me money and I was supposed to pay him back right away. He gave me a bike to borrow from my daughter and I was going to give it back and something happened where my ex um, and I kind of crossed information lines and she thought it, it was, I gave it to my daughter and she ended up selling it. So I kind of screwed him over and uh, things haven't been the same lately with him. I haven't talked to him and, and really let him know how I feel and I really apologize to him and I just can't wait to see him. Hopefully I'm going to see him this weekend at Day in the Dirt. Nice. And uh, I just want to... Uh, you know, make amends with him, and because he's a true friend of that, I truly love that man. And uh, they're hard to come by, dude. You're telling me, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've known Jason, and the Racers Edge has been there a long time, and you know that was pretty much you know the start of it for me was working with Shane. I've only worked with him. Everyone, if you don't know who Shane is, he was the guy that ended up flipping. And landing on Damon Huffman's bike at the at the Las Vegas Supercross, no one ever got it on tape, but all you'd seen was Damon Huffman leading the Supercross, lapping Shane. Something happened in the back where Shane cross rutted, hit, ended up doing a complete somersault in the air and landing on the back of Huffman's bike. No way! And he was stop tapping him. Hey, hey, hey. Huffman had to pull over and let him off. No way. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Dude, so people don't even real like, I don't, a lot of people don't remember that, but if you've been around the sport, you know about it. Uh, no one ever got it on film. But David was telling me, David Pingree, that he knows someone that has some grainy footage that you could kind of make it out and he's trying to find it. Someone sent it to him and he just doesn't know where it's at and he's been looking for it. So hopefully we could, uh, yeah, throw that out somehow. Get get that out there sometime, or David could post it on uh, the whiskey throttle or something. But uh, that's funny. yeah. So that was the that was pretty much the beginning. How long the, did you work for uh, work for Shane? Um, I wouldn't even say I worked for him. I mean, I helped him right, right. because I think he might have paid me. Like maybe he gave me ten percent of his winnings. What he did, but. We didn't make any money. Like, he would make the main and I think, 250 bucks or something stupid. Right. You know, to make the main or whatever it was, 500 bucks. Or, But I didn't even care at that time. I was having so much fun and living right. my dream. Like, I didn't care. Like, I'd, you know, I just was meeting people. And, you know, I would say, though, in, like, a year and a half to two years, just going to the races, like, and meeting people – I made some freaking really, really, really good friends, you know. Jeremy Albrecht, Joel Albrecht, Dave Castillo, Dean Gibson, Budman, you know, just all these dudes, you know, that raced. Yeah. And guys that I was just, like, never thinking a million years that I would know, you know. And then, you know, a few years later down the road, I went up to Washington when I worked for Ty and, you know, met, like, Scott Steffi and Lance Smale and, you know, everyone in the Northwest, Jason McCormack, Ryan Huffman. And, uh, man, it was just like I used to be able just to name the whole, you know, every, everybody at the track that was lined up and know them, personally know right, them. Right. Say, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so. Oh, yeah, and know them. Same at the Nationals, you know. We'd go to the Nationals, and it would be like Stevie Herman and, you know, uh, what's – 
what's that what's that one dude's name? I for, I don't don't want to forget his name. God, what's he was he was a character. Mm-hmm. Not well not James Eichel, but James Eichel was a, one of the most amazing guys. He had a nickname for everybody. Jim Jim Nice, his kid races nowadays, Pat Botton from New England, Keith Keith Johnson from New England, just all these different dudes I became friends with, and it was just such a good time in in the sport. Yeah, it's really cool for me because, like I said, um, I only go back so far, and I know I've heard little stories, but it's different between that. But all right, cool. So we got we start from there, and I think it'll be exciting to see what uh as we go through your through your career yeah for sure like you know i think you know the direction that we're going to go in is i think every show we'll just talk about you know what was next you know next show we'll talk about the the next guy that i i started helping after and uh, that was we've had some good times that's when i first met jeremy mcgrath when i worked for randy moody randy moody and jeremy mcgrath were good friends and i met randy moody i met jeremy mcgrath before he was jeremy mcgrath yeah and uh yeah we'll get into that stuff but uh but hey, uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Coach Rob um, for coming on board. Um, I've always um, knew of Coach Rob and his whole program of training, and you know, on the on the medical side, uh, the way he looks at the whole um, racing, he goes about it a lot different. And uh, I'm just so grateful that you know I was able to talk to him and have him be part of this um we right now are just gonna we're just trying to figure a few things out but i was just so excited that i just wanted to mention it and say that he is gonna be on board and be part of our team i'm super excited for that too because i follow him on on uh on instagram i uh watch his youtube videos but for years i remember when he worked with ryan dungey i a long time ago and I just I like the way he explains things. I like the way he breaks things down. Um, and you don't have to just be a professional athlete to benefit from what he says. That's a cool thing because you could be a guy like me who you just want to get in better shape or just you know better uh, a little bit better on the bike. Even if you're a weekend guy, you're always striving to be a little bit better, right? And Rob, I think sometimes like there's some trainers out there that are so extreme that you're like, well, I have to be. I have to be on an, uh, an elite, elite level, yeah, to even yeah. benefit from them. But I don't feel like uh, Coach Rob is like that. I think the average person could benefit from his program. Or yeah, I think says. I think every different level of rider or person in life needs someone. Like everybody's not going to relate with Ryan Hughes, right? You know right, what I mean. Right, I think right. that's where Rob fills the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome human. Right, you know, human being, him and his wife—they're just great people. So, just super excited to get bringing him on board, and uh, definitely keep you guys in the loop. And uh, gonna bring him on the show and let him talk about what he has going on. A lot of people don't know, but uh, he had a little skelter, health scare himself. Hmm. Um, I don't know a lot of people know about it, but uh, I'll let him explain what ha- happened. And then, um, yeah, of course, Maxis, Maxis. I don't know if you guys went out to the uh, Lake Elsinore Grand Prix this last weekend, but, uh, man, what a rad event they put on out there. Uh, Family-friendly. They had great races, uh, vintage. 
um, team racing, all different kinds of stuff. You know, throwback for sure. Awesome event. Maxis was a, definitely a huge part of it. Everyone that I know that was there that ran the Maxis, the brand, they were definitely picked the right tire for that event because it was a lot, you know, concrete. Not a lot, not a lot, but, you know, it was a Grand Prix. It, the terrain changed all the time. Right. So, yeah, the Maxis was definitely a huge part of that. Um, you know, thank you for being uh, a partner, Maxis and Chris, and always being solid with us. And then uh, Guts Racing. Andy, you're the man. Thank you. I'm sure they're – I know they're having a really cool Black Friday sale coming up. So if you're in the market for a seat foam or a cover, definitely hit them up. And uh, what else we got? We're forgetting someone. Of course we are. Ron's In-Your-Ear Audio. If you live in, if you have a place in Havasu and you want to do something different, you don't want to put your boat in the water over the summer at 4 o'clock in the morning so you get a good spot in the channel, give Ronnie a call. He has a thing called the valet service where he will pick your boat up, drop it off in the channel. All you do is drive your car to the, to the park where the channel is, get out of your car, walk onto your boat, and you have a place all day long. At the end of the day, he will... Pick the boat up, take it, detail it, wash it, put it back in the storage unit if that's what you want. If not, he puts it in a slip, and you go back the next day, and you do your thing. So uh, also, if uh, you're a squirrely boat driver and you like to bounce into docks and do some, you know, like myself, he has a gel coat company that he does too besides stereos and audio for side-by-sides. And uh, car audio, boat audio, he's the man. Um, gel coating, fix your boat, fix your jet ski, whatever you have, he will color match it and make it look brand new again. Uh, if you're going to have a suit this winter and have a side-by-side, he is your one-stop shop. He will definitely put a system in your side-by-side if you want headphones so your family could all communicate to each other. He's the guy. So uh, check Ronnie out. Ron's in your audio, Lake Havasu City, Arizona. That is it, peeps. We will be at, what am I looking to say? We will be back at you next week. So everyone, keep it on two wheels. Everyone be safe. Have a happy turkey day. Gobble, gobble.